Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, what is up, Rangers and hockey fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Rangers Review. This is episode 38 here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, myself and Stat Boy Steven. We're going to be breaking down the past couple games for the Rangers. This is our week four. Uh, the Rangers have played four games since the last time that we spoke, and I do believe that neither of us hit on our actual predictions. You got very close to uh, actually being correct here, especially with how the Rangers would perform in Canada. But no less, we're going to be getting into all these games, breaking them down one by one. Really our evaluation on what was not a good stretch of four games for the Rangers. And even though that while they are 7-3-3 three, and three right now, second in the Metropolitan, there's been a lot more complaints, it looks like, not just across the media, but with normal fans than positive. So we're going to be getting into that all, sharing our thoughts here and breaking down certain things when it comes to Igor Shesterkin, how he's played, Chris Kreider, staying hot. Alexi Lafreniere and Capococco continuing to be underwhelming and going over their utilization with the club at this point and so much more. So if you guys are chiming in the live stream, thank you for being here. We'll be taking comments and questions towards the end of the show per usual. And make sure to smash that like and subscribe button if you're here on YouTube. But Stephen, how are you doing today, my friend? Doing well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a little late here because we're we're back to the five-hour difference between you and me after you guys switched. Uh, oh, that's true. Time on the weekend. So, um, nope, doing well. Um, looking forward to flying to New York next week, Thursday. So, fingers crossed. Um, had, um, yeah, I'm having my COVID test on Tuesday at the airport. And uh, yeah, when that one come, comes back negative, I'm, I'm, I'm clear to fly. So, yeah. Um, the final days wrapping up before I get on that plane again for the first time. That'll be my first flight to uh, to North America since January 2020. That's so, crazy. Uh, been a while, uh, yeah. But uh, no, been been doing well. Um, yeah, uh, do want to give a quick shout out to Ivan, who uh, you know one of the guys I met here in Dublin. He's a Rangers fan. Uh, shout out, Ivan. We we hung out a few times and. Uh, it's fun having a beer with someone and talk hockey face to face without a webcam in between. So, yeah, yeah I really know cool. we still have to meet in person. Hopefully that yeah. can come to fruition uh, with you hanging the States very soon. We'll see what happens, but I got to ask because of the fact that you're going to be here, um, you know, in the U S for like you said, two, two and a half weeks, yeah. we're going to have to get creative on our um, recording schedule. Maybe we'll have to be able to catch you at some point where you're not busy, but if we do have to halt things with episodes a little bit, it's not the end of the world. I understand you want to make the most of your time while you're here. But uh, make sure to let all the Rangers fans know exactly what games you'll be attending or game at least as of now. So that way they can try to catch you, maybe grab a beer with you or whatever fun stuff it may be. Yeah, the uh, so I'm going to the Sabres game next week, Sunday, which is Hockey Fights Cancer Night. Um, so uh, I'm, I haven't decided yet on what jersey to wear. I might be wearing that one uh, for warm-ups. The Rick Nash Hockey Fights Cancer jersey. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure people will recognize me because I'll, I'll probably have like a really obscure jersey on at Madison Square Garden. Um, <laughs> You'll stick out like a sore thumb a little bit. Yeah. Um, then the night before, I'm going up to Hartford to go to their Hockey Fights Cancer game where they play, where they're playing. Uh, 
Oh, the Hershey Bears, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I've been so, I've been to some Hershey Bears games. They're not far from where I reside. I like the Hershey Bears. The Hershey Bears are one of the few AHL teams that have their own identity and are successful. Yeah, that's a good most point. <laughs> most teams are either successful, but they are just a copycat of their NHL team. Like the Syracuse Crunch. I mean, if you squint, they they look like the Tampa Bay Lightning. But yeah, no, the Bears, Bears are their own thing, and they have they have a good following too. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people that get get ramped up for. I've been to a Hershey Bears game against the Hartford Wolfpack in playoffs. Whoa, shoot! This is when uh, uh, Bork was still on the Rangers affiliate for Hartford, um, one of Ray's sons. That must um, be like six, six, seven years ago. I, Ryan Bork. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I have the puck somewhere. I mm-hmm. did Hartford win that game? I think that they did, and that's actually how. I got uh, one of my best friends introduced into hockey and the Rangers was that game. And, you know, it's been ever since he's been heavily ingrained with them, which is great to see. But yeah, Hershey Bears, definitely fun to go against yeah. there. And I'm going to the uh, red hot hockey game. It's Cornell against Boston University on the 27th. That's going to be a good one. Um, and I might be in attendance. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to go to an Islanders game because I want to see their new arena. So right now it looks like we're going to the Islander Sharks game because tickets are relatively cheap, and this trip's going to be expensive enough as it is. So uh, yeah, um, those are the games we're looking we're looking at uh, for my trip. And yeah, but I'll be in New York for two and a half weeks, so um, I'll probably spend some days walking through the city. Um, you know, just it's it's been like two years since I've been there, so I do want to. Are wanna... you going to be staying in this city or on the outskirts? No, no, I'm, I'm staying in Queens. So it's oh, it's okay, close. perfect. You should you should tour City Field while you're there, get a nice view of the Mets Stadium. Uh, I've been to uh, well, Mets Stadium. I've I, I've been to the Mets yes. Stadium. You need to, you need to go back there without like passing out. You know, without hypothermia. Yeah, that would be mm-hmm. nice. I do want to go to a Mets game one day, like in like May or June. Just oh, just, well, say say no more, Stephen. We'll we'll make that safe. happen. Die <laughs> from the cold, but. Uh, yeah, no, I'll be in New York for two and a half weeks. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. It's been a while. Uh, it's going to be my first Thanksgiving. Um, and my fiance's dad assured me that it's going to be like a big-ass turkey on the table. And when I asked him, is there anything you need me to do, you need me to bring on Thanksgiving? And he goes, the only thing you need to do is shut up, eat, and drink. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I can do that. So, uh, yeah, but looking forward to it, finally. Sounds like it's going to be a great time. I'm happy for you. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think that's a great pivot into something that isn't going to be as positive, and that was the Rangers' last four games of play. Um, I believe your prediction, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you said the Rangers would go 1-2-1. One, and one. I said the Rangers would go 2-1-1. Two, two, one, one. Okay. And so one, one, two. Rangers ended up going 1-1-2. One, one, and two. So you were correct in the Rangers not winning a game in Canada. You hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, unfortunately, I should say, because man, oh man, the Rangers should have easily won two of those three games, you know, when you look at how they went. But let's start off with the first game, which was against the Canucks. Sorry, real quick. Before we do the whole breakdown. Okay. How do you take a two-goal lead into the third period twice in three games and not come away with a win? Steven, we have a lot to rant about, okay? Let, let's, just, let's just get into this one already. Okay, so... Um, I will say, let's keep this in mind, that the Rangers did lose because of JT Miller being on the ice across from them because JT Miller has yet to lose a game against the New York Rangers since being traded away from them. Um, really? So, yes. Fun fact for you. 
So if, if you want to know the absolute reason why the Rangers lost that game against the Canucks, no, it wasn't because of the uh, performance after being up to nothing. No, it was because of JT Miller. And look, JT had to say he was the reason why Canucks physically won in the end besides his presence. But, but yeah, but, yeah, there are a couple of players who, who seemingly <laughs> never lose against the Rangers. Drew Stafford is one. Drew, I remember that, man. Yeah, uh, and Jimmy Howard is another uh, infamous uh, opponent for the Rangers. Oh yeah, and and I commend Jimmy Howard because he was a guy I know we've talked about it recently. I uh, grew up a diehard Rangers fan, loved playing in MSG. So like naturally, you have that kind of you know fire under you when you're going playing against a team that you grew up loving, and that was kind of similar to Spencer Knight, even though he didn't necessarily perform the way that you would expect for the Florida Panthers, because you'll be gaining that shortly idolized Henrik Lundqvist growing up in which Hank said that, you know, he loves the kid array, which I found funny, but let's go to the Canucks game here. Rangers lost this one. Absolutely. They should have won. They lost three, two. They were outshot by the, by the Canucks 36, 25. The only reason why the Rangers stayed in this one was surprise, surprise, Igor Shosturkin doing what he does best, having a really strong game for the Rangers. No less Rangers went two or five on the power play. They lost 48%. To 52 and face off. So naturally, when you think the Rangers aren't doing well in the faceoff dot, they might actually get a win because they're a team that just historically still to this point has not been consistent with faceoffs. Um, they had 18 blocks to the Canucks 12. Both were even at 24 hits apiece. And Rangers only had two giveaways in this game. They got off to the early lead. A nice goal for Mika Zbanjad that was assisted by Panarin and Fox. That was Zbanjad's second goal of the year. Same thing with Artemi Panarin gained his second goal of the year. Thanks to Adam Fox, array two points on the night, and Ryan Strom gained his second assist. And then we get into the third period, and JT Miller, the former New York Ranger, who has had a slow start to the season, goal-scoring-wise entering this game at least, got his second of the year, and that made it a 2-1 game right in the beginning of the period, might I add, too. So that's never a good look. And then not long after, rookie Vasily Podkolzin, the Russian, got the goal. That was his second of the year. And then the Rangers end up going to overtime. And yes, JT Miller gets the winner on what was such a frustrating goal because Igor, it was a wraparound situation and Igor got caught for a second. Uh, the puck just trickled right out of like Igor's, I don't know if it was his pad or whatever. It just trickled out for JT right behind the net. Quickly did a wraparound goal to make that the OT winner. Rangers lost this one. Uh, frustrating game for sure, especially as I said after last episode, you knew damn well the Rangers were going to go to overtime on, on the West Coast. Late night games for people, Eastern time, let alone for you. My goodness gracious, think about how late those games were. So wasn't fun. Uh, Rangers lose that one in overtime, and they start off their road trip to this point uh, with one loss in the column, that being from overtime. So they got a point, but definitely a game looking back, they absolutely should have won. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, after that game, they uh, they go up to Edmonton. Um, one of the, my goodness, one of the toughest opponents uh, in terms of offense, um, because they they may seem like a one line team, but um, it's it's a, it's the team's more complete than fans credit for. But uh, back in the lineup after he was a healthy scratch against Vancouver uh, in favor of Tenorti. Um, Lundqvist getting uh, an assist on the first goal by Philip Hedl, which was his second point in his last two games. Um, <laughs> Hyman tied it up. And then the Rangers have a really good second period where uh, they get goals from Rooney, Kreider, of course, Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad, uh getting up to 4-1 against the Edmonton Oilers. With about six minutes to go in the second period, they're up three goals. Um, unfortunately, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, um, scores uh, scores for the Oilers, uh, making it 4-2. Uh, 
And then in the third period, Barry and again, Puyo-Yarvi tied up. Zibanejad then makes it 5-4 for the Rangers. And at that point, I really thought we had it in the bag. You know, you I've, I've, I remember a game against the Maple Leafs a couple of years ago where the Rangers were down, I think, 5-1. They came back to 5-5, and they still lost 8-5. And I thought... I remember thing, that game. Wow, that brought a memory. My goodness. I thought the same thing was going to happen here. You know, the Rangers have a three-goal lead. They allow the Oilers to get all the way back in the game, but it's going to drain their energy at the same rate and then the Rangers will just capitalize on a couple of chances and, and take home the win. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because, of course, the goal of the season had to be scored against the Rangers this year uh, by Connor McDavid. Who at, at least we can be thankful that's from the best player on the planet. Okay, if this was yeah. a guy that we was a scrub, a bottom feeder, that it wouldn't be fun. But yeah. Connor doing Connor things should be the least bit surprising. But my goodness, that was not a pretty sight if, at all. If Connor McDavid plays this way for the next five years, he's going to win five hard trophies in a row. There's, there's no denying that he is. He's not just the best player in the league. He's the best player in the league by a mile. This is, and I'm not saying he's as good as Gretzky. I'm just saying, compared to his peers, it's the same kind of dominance. Agree. No one, no yeah. one comes even close. Um, but yeah, he ties it up with a great goal. And yeah, you can say that it's poor defense by the Rangers, or you can say that it's just a great play by the best player in the world. I think it's a little bit of both. But yeah, uh, taking the game to overtime. And then in overtime, unfortunately, uh, Zibanejad uh, falls <laughs> over, I think, trying to uh, to block the pass from uh, from Nurse to Dreisaitl, or from McDavid to Dreisaitl, from Nurse to Dreisaitl. And Dreisaitl uh, finishes it in overtime for the overtime win for the Oilers. And, you know, it was it's unfortunate that, that you know, you, you only come away with one point at that stage. But let's talk about the Oilers for a second. Everyone's talking about McDavid, right? McDavid is, uh, is, is not even, I think, maybe now, but for like two, up until yesterday, McDavid wasn't even leading his team in points. It's Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl and McDavid, let me check. They're, now they're tied at 23 points. It's the one-two punch. It usually and is. They have, then they have Nugent Hopkins with 14 assists. Who's very underrated. Uh, Puglia Yarvi, six goals, seven assists, who I actually want to get into later on. Let me quickly add this to my list of points. Yeah, uh, I've always been a Puglia Yarvi fan, um, not just from his kind of you know bubbly personality. He just has the form of a makeup of a guy that looks like, especially coming out of his draft year, that he could be dominant, especially when you think of the other big, big body fins that have good shots. Think of Patrick Line, if you will. But Paul yeah. even though he's had his ups and downs early in his career, you can clearly tell he's rejuvenized himself. And he's still at a young age where there's plenty potential for him to hit a peak that we simply haven't seen yet. Yeah, and uh, and, and the, the, the fifth player who has hit double digits this early in the season is Zach Hyman. Yeah. who was considered one of the worst contracts, one of the first worst free agent signings this last summer. Uh, not that he's a bad player, but just the term and the AAV were were way too high for hey. Alex Hyman. I don't then, think there's any Oilers fan complaining about Hyman right yeah, now. Can you really complain? It's, it's David Perron all over again. Can you really complain when you put him on the line with McDavid and he puts up a point per game? Exactly. It's like, it's like Genso in, 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 in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Is Gensel a superstar player? No, but he's playing with with Crosby and he's putting up a point per game. Same with uh, who's the other guy? Chris Kunitz. Chris Kunitz is like the the poster boy for for support players. Chris Kunitz was the embodiment of being a role player. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the Rangers lose in overtime in Edmonton. Um, unfortunately, they they concede a lot of goals. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but this yeah. was the, this was back to back games where the Rangers back to back games with six goals, and you'll get into it with the uh, with the Flames game. My goodness, but, just... um, if if you give me a, a quick second before you get into that. Um, the Rangers before uh, before the last game against the Panthers, they were seven two one and zero in their last ten times coming off consecutive games conceding at least six goals each, dating back to nineteen ninety eight. So, um, yeah, conceding six goals twice like in back to back games uh, has only happened uh, eleven times now since nineteen ninety eight. So. It's not. It's it's a pretty rare occurrence. It's a. It's really an anomaly to what we're normally yeah. accustomed to. And to further touch on the game before we get into the Flames one, which is by far the worst game of this four game span, as we all know. Uh, Oilers dominated the Rangers though when it came to shots. Another game where the Rangers are just getting absolutely whipped with shot production. That's something that I want to emphasize a lot later in this episode. Uh, Thirty nine to twenty five. Yorgiev. While he he definitely there were some goals that I felt like he did, he could have had for sure. He kept the Rangers in it to a certain extent. I'm not going to put all of the blame on Georgiev at all. He made some big saves for the Rangers when they needed it. Um, but 42% to 59% Oilers winning faceoff shouldn't be surprised. Oilers were two for two on the power play. That's something that the Rangers definitely need to continue to shore up with their penalty kill because it hasn't been anything spectacular this season. They were one for two, so. Overall, in the first two games on this trip, the Rangers had three power play goals. Still have yet yeah, to report and, a win, however. The Oilers game, the Oilers game was a great game for uh, the depth players for the Rangers. Yes, it was. Um, Especially you know, the guy uh, before he got hurt, that being a Philip Hedl. Philip Hedl going and assist. Uh, Sammy Blay, Hedl, and Nils Lundqvist were a plus two in a game where you can see six goals. That's you know that that's that's <coughs> that's a good sign. Um, so if if the depth players are having a good performance then it's easier to recover because all you need now is your top players to to really get into it. And we'll get to that in a, in a second in not the Flames game, but in the Panthers game, but Flames first. Yeah, there really isn't much to say on this Flames game. Um, it, the Rangers clearly looked like a team that played the night before and just had no pep in their step. They, they had opportunities for sure, and they ran into a very hot goaltender so far this season for the Calgary Flames who – has already done well against the Rangers in one other game because the Rangers are now already owned two against Calgary this year. I think the flames swept. I I'm assuming the flames only play the Rangers twice this season. So if so, then that's it already. Um, yes. Mark, Markstrom looked great. Uh, got himself a shutout, easy shutout though, but there were some huge stops where the Rangers looked like that. They had great opportunities. Um, this was just a shit show of a game, both looking like a complete lack of offensive production, just getting dominated in every which way. Again, the, if you look at the power plays, Rangers went 0 for 3 in this one. Flames won 1 for 3, another game where the Rangers are giving up power play goals. Rangers won the faceoff dot, so that's how you knew that the Rangers weren't going to win this one for sure. Um, Flames basically almost doubled shots to what the Rangers had, 37 to 22. The third consecutive game for the Rangers where they're costing at least 35-plus shots a game and aren't really getting much of their own. It, it's really looking polar opposite. They dominate in hits 27 to 13, but that goes in hand with not having the puck in that instance, especially they had 15 giveaways in this one. Flames had 21, uh, but that goes in hand with their continued offensive production. So uh, it really isn't even too much of terrible giveaways on their end. 
just dominated six goals between Sean Myhan, the first period, second period, Brad Richardson, Johnny Gaudreau. And I will say there were some goals that Igor definitely looked like he should have had. They were not looking great on him, but the Rangers defense was just abysmal for the majority of this game. Johnny Gaudreau had two goals in this one. Milan Lucic with a goal that was just such a bizarre one that just trickled. It looked like off the glove of Igor and went in or, or his blocker. Then Matthew Kachuk with like in between the legs goal right in front of the net. It just, Terrible game for the Rangers all around. This is easily one of their worst of the season. Both times they played the Flames now have not had good night. And you could say that the two times the Rangers have played the Flames this year, they've had their two worst games of the season thus far. So if there's any positive takeaway from this, it's that the Rangers don't have to deal with Calgary again anytime soon. Um, I commend the Flames. They've had a really good start to the season this year. And they just, they handed it to the Rangers in every way. They took full advantage of the Rangers playing the back-to-back. Rangers looked lifeless and, Definitely was discouraging for a club that I know that they grinded their past two games going to overtime. I can understand how exhausting that is enough along with being on the trip. Um, but still, with all those factors putting into play, I was hoping to see a better performance than what I saw against Calgary. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Rangers uh, of recent have struggled a lot against the Calgary Flames. Uh, I, was at the, I was at the Rangers game in Calgary two and a half years ago where they lost 5-1. Um, I think... They have lost five in a row now. Um, against Calgary. Against Calgary, yeah. yeah, And, um, yeah, it's not the longest losing streak they've had against that organization. The longest losing streak is seven games uh, back in the late 70s when they were still in Atlanta. So, um, but, yeah, five games in a row losing against the, against the Flames. It's uh, it's not pretty. I mean, 6 nothing, 5-1, uh, another 5-1, and a 4-1. The only game that was close – was um, uh, early last year, 2020, it was 4-3 for the Flames. That's the only game uh, where the Rangers came close to to get to, you know, to, to winning. 4-1, uh, 5-1, 5-1, 6-0. Those are, those are the other four results in the last five. Unfortunate. Uh, the Flames seem to be our, um, our, our weak spot in recent they're, years. They're the Rangers' kryptonite right now. Hopefully that, that'll change. But yeah, after the Flames, the Rangers come back home uh, and they're playing against the Florida Panthers, you know, the the team that at the time did not have a regulation loss yet. Uh, I don't like to use the word undefeated because if you lose in overtime, you are still losing, you're still defeated. But they were 10-0-1 coming into the game against the Rangers and um, expectations were low. Uh, a lot of Ranger fans didn't expect us to win. Because, you know, you go up against the best team in the league. You're coming off the worst possible road trip you could have had, uh, aside from the Seattle Kraken game. But um, the three games in, in, in Canada probably couldn't have gone worse. And then you take on the Florida Panthers. And the Rangers off to a flying start. Chris Kreider on the power play. Uh, and then Adam Fox shorthanded. That goal by Adam Fox. Uh, I don't know if there are any football fans here, like like – Soccer fans uh, listening, but I was talking on Twitter to uh, to a friend of mine. Uh, he reminds me of Dennis, Ber- Dennis Bergkamp, a Dutch player who played for Arsenal for many years. Adam Fox does not score ugly goals. Every goal he scores is a beauty. It's 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 unbelievable. And this goal was another one. Uh, shorthanded, assisted by Goudreau and Zabanejad. And then in the second period, the Rangers go 4-4 four and four after uh, Lafreniere is hooked uh, Lafreniere gets called for embellishment. I'm trying to think who the player was that went off for uh, together with Lafreniere. Uh, Aaron Ekblad. 
uh, went up for holding Lafreniere for unsportsmanlike conduct. So four and four. And then Keandre Miller scores the Rangers goal of the year so far. Um, and eerily similar to the one Neil Piam scored a few years ago against the Montreal. I Canadian. know. I, I, it, I'm not going to lie. It pissed me off a little bit that he read my mind because I was about to tweet it. I was like, of course, Steven. He tweeted right away. It, it was. It really felt like the exact same thing. Piam was more flashier because he literally started, like, I think, right behind the net. And then yeah, went and, he did, and didn't he do like a little spin? Yeah, Piam had to spin Arama as well, but... Miller does it against the best team in the league, you know, that's, know. That, that makes it a little a bit more special, but yeah, shades of Neil Pion there on that goal for, for sure. four and four. Um, and then Ryan Strom, not even 30 seconds later scores again, four and four assisted by Panarin. Uh, Panarin should have had a goal, but uh, yeah. it, was, it was called off because of uh, goaltender interference by Ryan Strom. Uh, I was that far goal. more bothered that that was, Kako's first point of the yes, season. Yes, I was just going to say. Especially Kapo with him Kapo. holding the puck the way he did behind the net. Kapo Kako made a great play there, and he he deserved to be rewarded there with an assist. Unfortunately, no points for Kako, but his game's getting better. You know, he's getting there. I know fans don't want to hear it because zero points, but he played a really good game against the Florida Panthers, and he should have been rewarded for it with an assist. And in the third period, he could have scored a goal. Uh, but Spencer Knight, who, who led in four goals, had actually a, a, a decent night. He made some really good saves. Um, so the Rangers take a, a, a 4-0 lead into the third period. And you know what happens when the Rangers take a, a multi-goal lead into the third period. Lotsa Salinian scores 20 seconds in. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. But then the Rangers hold on. And you know, with two minutes to go, they pull their goalie. And you're like, ah, it's 4-1. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. What's 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 possibly going to happen, right? It's 4-1. Sam Reinhardt scores. Uh, Maxime Amin scores. And then with, with 40 seconds to go, all of a sudden it's 4-3. And Ranger fans started to panic. Like, oh, my God, we're not going to sit through this again, right? But luckily, Shestjorkin pulled through. Uh, Shestjorkin uh, faced 45 shots. Um, let's see. Yeah, 45 shots, 42 saves. For a 933 save percentage. And you can tell he was visibly annoyed. He was angry about those last two goals. Let's because- let's take let's take a moment to talk about the uh Gallant's reasoning as to why Igor didn't walk out uh for the one of the stars of the game. He said it was apparently a stomach flu reason. I'm not sure why you go an entire hockey game and then decide, oh, the stomach flu is now bothering me. That's why I decided not to step on the ice. It seemed like it was pretty obvious that Igor was rightfully so flustered with his team after that performance in the third like that yeah. Igor single-handedly winning this team games and even while Calgary wasn't pretty and it wasn't his best game by any stretch if you look at the, his numbers here and I this is something that I really want us to touch on quite a bit because we're getting into Henrik Lundqvist range already with Igor and this is something the Rangers need to make sure that they avoid going further because as we know during Hank's time during his prime especially with the Rangers he was the he was the rock, you know. So many times the Rangers had no chance of actually having a win, but if it wasn't for Hank, that actually single handedly got them wins or got them close to wins at least. And if you look at Igor's numbers over his past three games here that we've seen, he faced 118 shots. So yeah. for him to even with that six goals he gave up, I don't even care. It does it doesn't even matter. The Igor's 
giving up six goals was not the lone reason why the Rangers lost that game in Calgary. They they had nothing offensively to even try to get some sort of life. So yeah, that only goal scored in Calgary was called off by Adam Fox. Exactly. And and how beautiful would have that been if that actually stayed true, knowing going back yeah. to Calgary. I know that Flames fans were not happy to see him there. Um, you know, I, I can genuinely yeah. care less because I'm happy the, he's a Ranger. But the Florida, the Florida Panthers getting 45 shots on goal, the Rangers only getting 18, and they're winning. And look, I'm I'm just gonna say this. Yes, I'm really happy when the Rangers win. You know, the game starts at midnight. I only go to bed at 2:30. When the Rangers win, I'm happy. But at the same time, I can also acknowledge that the Rangers aren't playing sustainable winning hockey. And Gerard Gallant's fully aware of that too. And I yeah. appreciate that from him that he's not trying to, you know, beat around exactly. the bush and cover something like it's not. He wasn't he wasn't happy in his post-game presser. Mm-hmm. I like that. But it's up to him at the end of the day to help try to resolve this yeah. issue right now, which is a complete lack of accountability sitting back once you have a lead entering the third period. He made it known. He's like, we need to change. That can't happen. He's, he, I remember watching his pressers, watching again earlier today. He said that going into the season, the Rangers looked pretty solid in the third period. We were really comfortable with how we were doing. Past four games during the stretch, the Rangers gave up 11 goals. You can't mm-hmm. be doing that to have success. So they, they need to shore this up. Thankfully, they at least secured a win on this trip. But definitely trip looking back, they should have won three of these four games. And it's frustrating. Um, I know that this is a team that has a solid record right now. They're not playing as well as they should. So that gives you excitement knowing that once they can get everything balanced, hopefully, how much better is this club going to be this year? They're going to hit their strides for sure. But definitely some cause for concern right now between the lack of consistency we're seeing period by period. Um, For a Rangers team that also that Gallant has emphasized too on gain shots on net, um, he wants to see more of that. He's right because the Rangers right now are the worst team in all the NHL on gain shots on that um, per 60, five on five. And that goes in hand with one. A lot of penalties are happening in games usually. They're either game power plays or having penalties themselves that they have to kill. So that's a factor. But two, you can tell that the Rangers just there's there's something about them right now where they're steamrolling for one period, but we don't get enough of it. We're not yeah. getting it when they need. They need. They they're aware of what they're doing. They need to make sure that they have the mindset of continuing to tack on versus sitting back for a little bit. Because as soon as you sit back, that's when you get caught off guard from a team that's hungry trying to execute and get back in the game. And as we saw with Edmonton, Florida, and even the Canucks, you know, all it takes is a couple goals to get a momentum swing, and before you know it, you find yourself in the losing column. Yeah, yeah, and and look, as fans, we need to realize that winning and playing well are not necessarily the same thing. And if you want to consistently have a good chance of winning your games, like in the long run, the Rangers need to play better. You know, Adam uh, Artemi Panarin is a point per game player this season. He's not playing like it though. And yes, no, he's not. I'm thrilled that he's a point per game player because he still has his value to the team, but something's off. You know, he, he gets a stretch pass from Adam Fox and the puck just bounces off his, off his stick. Like it's a grenade. It's unbelievable. Something's wrong, but he's still putting up points. I'm happy that he's putting up points, but he needs to be better. I think he will be better. Same with advantage Our top players will will improve, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to call it out. You know, if, if the Rangers are playing a bad game and still come away with a win, I'm going to be happy that we won, but also concerned that it's not sustainable. And that's the point. You know, if they play the game against the Panthers 10 times, they might win it only twice. Because that's just the way the Rangers are playing. The, the, the number of shot attempts 
I don't remember the exact number of shot attempts, but I think the Florida Panthers got more than a hundred shot attempts. Yeah, it was a lot. They, it, was, they were just it was just It was crazy. And you know, the defense blocked a bunch. There were there were a lot of shots that, that missed the net. But when it hit the net, Shestjorkin was there. Shestjorkin has gotten us points in 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 the, the early start of the season. And yes, we are in a playoff spot, but we're not playing like it. And that's what concerns me. And we've seen this all before under Ellen Vigneault. We had a similar start and the team imploded because they just <laughs> couldn't back it up. This and, it feels like a broken record. I feel like if you're a Rangers yeah. fan that's been watching long enough, then you are fully aware on how everything's transpiring right now. And that's my, really my biggest concern with how heavily reliant this team has been on their goaltending early. This yeah. is something that is and, not going to amount to success to the point where you're going to have a deep playoff run. And by no means do I have these high expectations of Rangers, you know, going on a Stanley cup run this year. The point is for, in order to really help point out the clear flaws you have with your team, we've said this time and time in the past, you know, having a goaltender to rely on mm-hmm. while it's great to have that. It also lessens the blow of the reality of your issues when it comes to, okay, you don't have consistency with your offense. Maybe you aren't rolling your four lines properly. You're not getting enough offensive production, right? You're not getting enough pucks on net defensively. You're having your miscues, but you're still getting away with it. Cause when you look, you're getting more wins in the column because your goaltender is just otherworldly at times. That's been yeah, and, and it masks the flaws on this team. The Rangers are 31st in the league with 25.7 shots a game and tied for last with a minus 79 shot differential. The game um, outplayed. And, you know, I know people can say it's early and this and that. I get it. It's early. but it, it, It's true. It is early. I, I don't think the Rangers are going to be playing like this all year long. It is early, but we're almost at 15% of the season already. We have, we have played 13 games. Um, look, the last time they averaged under 28.5 shots a game in a season was 1998-99, the final year of Wayne Gretzky, which was a year where we missed the playoffs. And I know it's not an exact science. I know it's not baseball where you can focus a lot more on individual statistics because baseball is – baseball is a team sport, but it's also an individual sport if you, if you yeah. understand where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Hockey is much more fluid, much more intertwined. Performances by players are much more intertwined with each other. So it's harder to pinpoint the exact issue. But when you look at the <laughs> team numbers, the Rangers aren't playing uh, – uh, just aren't playing good hockey and it's just not sustainable and that that's what it comes down to every time yes I'm happy that we're winning I'm just not sure that we will keep winning if we keep playing this way the Rangers need to change they need to improve and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know uh, bring up the elephant in the room um, having Sammy Blay in your top six is not going to make you a better team than last season. I'm sorry. I I, I agree with that, and I want well, to touch on Blay here in a second. Yeah, so, hold on, hold on. So all offseason we've heard that you know you shouldn't look at the Butchnevich trade as Butchnevich yeah. for Sammy Blay because we, go. we also got a second round pick. I don't care about second round picks. Second round picks are are magic beans. The Rangers miss second round picks more than they hit on them. Uh, no, but Blay brings something for the bottom six, and that's fine. I like Blay. Yeah, you could have acquired him for a second-round pick. You didn't have to give up your your winger that was on pace for 70 points over a full season. 
And I know there's a cap space issue starting next year, but they could have done with him what they did with Kevin Hayes. Give him a one-year extension, trade him at the deadline. I think I think the point that you're just trying to make is that the Rangers didn't just throw away Buchnevich because there's no reason to really rekindle the same or you know, we we uh we're upset about it enough, but you know, past is the past, wishing Booch the best during his time with St. Louis. But the point you're making is that Blaze really Buchnevich's replacement right now in this top six, and that should not be the case to begin with. That exactly. is that, that makes it even more of a bad look on the deal because you can make further arguments in comparing the two. Yeah, I, I'm on board with trading away Buchnevich. I'm on board with acquiring Semi Blay. I'm just not on board with acquiring Semi Blay by trading away Buchnevich. I, mean, I like Thomas Hurdle. I would like to trade for him. I wouldn't give up Adam Fox. Yeah. You know, that's it's it's I know it's a bit of a weird comparison, but that's the point. You know, you can like Samuel Lay as a player while simultaneously still disliking the trade. And the Rangers cleared cap space, but for what? We have eight million in cap space, we're not using it. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna trade for Phil Kessel? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what Chris Drury's game plan is here, because obviously the goal is to make the playoffs. That's why that's why Jeff Gordon and John Davidson are out the door. You know, the Rangers are looking like a team that Dolan could use a Buchnevich type in their lineup right yeah. now. Dolan wants us to make Dolan wants us to make the playoffs, but we're not going to make the playoffs if we keep playing this way. Also, because. I'm going to quickly look this up to see if it's still relevant, but we are playing in the toughest division in the league by far. If you look at the records for each division. And we're getting away with a lot right now, but that's not going to last. The lowest ranked team in the Metropolitan Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins, are at 0.545 point percentage. They're over 500. Um, in, in every other division, they would be top five. In some mm-hmm. divisions, if in some divisions, they will be fourth. We are playing in, in by far the toughest division already. The Rangers are currently ranked in win percentage, uh, fifth behind the Hurricanes, the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, and the Capitals, with a, with a point percentage of 0.654. So if you and the Rangers have played three more games than some of these teams, and that's why I care more about point percentage than about points. Because point percentage is much more indicative because at the end of the season, you've all played the same amount of games. Right now, the Rangers, uh, if we go to the conference um, point percentage, right now the Rangers would squeak in with a wild card. Yeah. And that's with us not playing well. So we've been lucky. The Rangers have been lucky to win some games. but Something needs to change. And... um, Adam Fox is playing like a Norris Trophy winner again. Igor Shishjorkin is playing like a Vezina candidate. But aside from those two, what do we have? Yeah, we have Chris Kreider, who scores six power play goals in a month, which is great. And let's let's pivot for a second to the guys that are performing right now and who aren't and why they aren't. Because when we look at over these past four games, especially – the guys that are supposed to be performing on paper are performing. Kreider had four points these past four games, two goals, two assists. Love to see that. He's continuing to stay hot. Nine goals on the air already. Shout out to Kreider's doing what we all would hope that he would be doing. Our Timmy Panarin, not much in the goal scoring, but he still had five points in four games. So over a point per game guy over this past stretch of games. Zabanjad, same thing, five points as well. Three goals, two assists. Had himself a pretty good game in there as well. And Adam Fox, four points casually, including a goal and three assists. But 
when you're getting onto the Sammy Blaze, for instance, Sammy Blaze, we know that's most recently been playing online number one for the Rangers. If you take a look at his performance, he only has one point in his last five games. And this is with him playing in part in a top five, top six role for sure. And gain, gain a good amount of playing time, gain some shots on that, but really nothing to indicate that Sammy Blay is the right fit. It really feels like Sammy Blay is a filler right now for the sake of if this was a yes for fast when he was with Strom and even with Panarin. And same thing could be said to a certain extent with Colin Blackwell at times. It just, for the Rangers, when they're, obvious issue to this point has been player development and i understand that lafreniere has been underwhelming and it's not all on just the rangers utilization it goes on him too but if you look in comparison with lafreniere over his past five games he has zero points and this is him with obviously playing in the bottom six too he only has one shot on net during that span he had 12 shifts a couple games ago 14 i believe his most recent game he's not getting much opportunities right now so i think the question lies for a guy like Sammy Blay, who only has one point in his past five games, why is he that much more justified being that top spot versus something like Lafreniere potentially when all that is going to happen is that you potentially give Lafreniere ability to continue to grow and develop, get more playing time? Because clearly that position isn't doing much for the Rangers right now in their top six. You can't tell me that Lafreniere being on the top line right now over a guy like Sammy Blay is going to be completely indicative of you winning or losing a game. That has not proven to be that case just yet. So mm-hmm. I think when you look at Laffy's la- utilization right now, yes, he's underwhelming. Yes, he's on pace to, you know, if you look at other guys, I know you've been referencing the Red Wings so much. I, I wouldn't do that too much, but I think the point here is that if Lafreniere was on a team right now that one, had a little expectations, but two, was just getting constant time and constant ability on your top power play, on your top line, game in and game out with, not the type of pressure the Rangers now have as a team that's prioritizing playoffs, he would be thriving. And I think you can make that same argument to a certain extent with Capo. I'm not really as much concerned with Kako because yes, I know he doesn't have any points yet through nine games, but that isn't telling of his actual performance. Kako looked a little bit slow coming back uh, from uh, his injury, but otherwise has been doing fine. He looked really good in the Florida Panthers game. So I'm really not as much concerned with him as I am Lafreniere. This is a guy that, you have to make sure that you don't mess up, okay? And that was my biggest cause for concern heading into the year, which is the Rangers going from a team that was in a rebuild mindset to full-blown full playoffs. Okay, but these are guys that are supposed to be part of your core going forward. You have to give them opportunities here, even if they have yeah. their mistakes. And they, look, Laffey's definitely have. There's no denying that. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if you're doing comparisons with a guy like Blay, nothing personal against Blay. I like him, but... There's no reason why Lafreniere should not be getting at least more playing time, rolling out more. Because even when you look at how they're utilizing these top nine lines, Lafreniere is consistently gaining less ice time versus a guy like Barkley Goodrow and others with trying to take away the obvious fact of Goodrow having time on PK versus Lafreniere who doesn't. But I just wanted to throw that out there because it, a lot of fans have been rather concerned about Laffy, And I think that you have a right to be concerned to a certain extent, I think both are at fault here, but I I do not want to see a season where Alexi's mainly on that third line when he sh- when he doesn't need to be. Look, third line, I can live with. What annoyed me is that he was on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. He was playing. I, I I'm trying to remember what game it was. I think it was against the Oilers. He was on the fourth line, 
and he played nine minutes and 20 seconds. And after the game, Molly Walker of the New York Post asked Gerard Gallant. Uh, oh, I know. He interrupted her because she couldn't even finish her question. The moment she mentioned Alexi Lafreniere, he cut her off and, and you know, it was very defensive. And I get it, but if you put your first overall pick from a year ago on the fourth line, having him play nine minutes, a month after you as a coach come out and say, uh, you know, prospects don't have anything to learn on the fourth line, you are going to get questions about it. And it's just contradictive. It's like, why make it? It's like the captaincy thing too. It's like, just don't make a comment if you're going to go back on it. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a betting man, I would say yes. And, and, and the following week we have six ultimate captains and no captain. It's look, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a a Galant bashing session because I have nothing. No, I don't, I don't have it well against Galant, but you can tell that. Yeah. He's just, the first couple of weeks have been frustrating for Ranger fans. And and one of the reasons it's frustrating is because of the whole Lafreniere situation. And it's not just, I know that I, I tweeted this, this image that I found on Instagram comparing the two Red Wings prospects to Kako and Lafreniere, but it's so much more than that. You know, it's not just Lucas Raymond for, for Lafreniere. Lafreniere uh, has four points in 13 games. It's just underwhelming. Dawson Mercer has seven points. Anton Lundell has six Jamie Drysdale, a defenseman for the Anaheim Ducks, has six. These kids were drafted in, in the same year as Alexi Lafreniere. And and I, I remember one guy on Twitter saying, oh, he's only two points behind this guy. I don't care. He's a first overall pick. He shouldn't be on, on par with these guys. He should be ahead of them. I have a question for you. Yeah. Out of all the games that we've seen Alexi play so far as a New York Ranger, how many of them can you confidently say looked like the Alexi Lafreniere that was deemed to go universally first overall? None. Sorry. I, 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 know, he has, I know he has three goals, but every goal he scored looked the same. Every goal he scored was was, was a tap-in. I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's normally a two-on-one. On yeah. The goal in Montreal was great. You know, His family was there, and it was a huge story. Let's be real here. All he had to do was was put the puck in an empty net after after Zibanejad made the cross the cross crease pass. And I same, think and I think that's where you goal. have I think that's where you have a different discussion with Kako too because I've seen Kako, I've seen the flashes yeah. of him. We haven't seen it full rolling offensively yet, but mm-hmm. we've seen like I've I feel far more comfortable with Kako with what's happening going forward. Kako yeah, and Rafinier have been polar opposites. For Kako, yeah. the, the the game, the, the performance has been there. The points just haven't been. And and they will come over time. Yeah. You know, and for Rafinier, he's more shots than that too. That's another thing with Kako. Yeah. And you and, can say the same thing about Alexi. Yeah, but for Lafreniere, I know he has three goals, but he doesn't play like he has three goals. No, he just it's, he looks like someone that is still trying to find himself. You know fitted in a system that is mm. away from what made him the best player in the world up until his draft year. Yeah. You and know? I am, I'm terrified of the Rangers trying to mold these top yep. prospects into the type of player that they aren't suited for. There's no it, point. 
There's if zero point in trying to yeah. take away what a player's done at this point uh, for the sake of maybe uh, being a better role on the club. No, they, these guys are supposed to be superstars. That's what their potential is supposed to be. You know, they we need to help guide them to get there. And there's still something wrong going on. And clearly, Alexi's at fault for some of it. He's definitely he's so, I'm not going to say that he's not at fault for anything. He is. But I, I want to see more opportunities. This, this given goes him. a lot further than just Kako Lafreniere and even further than Kraftsov and Leah Anderson. The Rangers, I looked it up. If you look at the top 50 picks the Rangers have made in the last 25 years, um, and the reason I picked top 15, I mean, it's the top half of the first round for the majority of that time. Those are usually the players that play in the NHL or AHL at age 18 or 19. The Rangers made 14 picks in the top 15 since 1997, and only one of them has has developed into either a top four defenseman or a top six forward for us. And that's Mark Stahl. JT Miller became a top six forward somewhere else. Great. Great for him. Don't give a shit. I don't, I don't care what he does, what he does elsewhere. I'm just looking at what these prospects have turned into for us in our development, you know, developing in our system, in our culture, in our organization. My, and go, go all the way back to Manny Milhotra and Pavel Brendel and Jamie Lundmark. Yeah. You know, it's just time and time again. If these kids come in at age 18 and 19, they just don't develop. If they stay in college for three years or if they, if they stay in college for three years like Chris Kreider or if they uh, develop elsewhere, if they are part of the Flames organization like Adam Fox or if they play in Russia for five years like Igor Shostorkin, then yeah, then, then they're great. You know, Derek Stepan developed in college, came into the NHL, scored a hat-trick on his debut, and has been a good player since. But the moment the Rangers get their hands on a player in their in their teenage years, everything goes out the window. It's it's unbelievable. Philip Hedel and Artem Anisimov are the most successful examples of that. And Artem Anisimov, I like Artem Anisimov, you know. He was part of that team that, that you first started watching, you know, yeah. back in 2010. Great player, but very, uh, uh, you know, very hit, very hit or miss. You know, he played some great games, but they were few and far between. Philip Hedel was probably Artem Anisimov without the defense. He's like an Artem Anisimov light. Yeah, those we said the, the exact same thing last episode. Those are the two success stories when it comes to developing teenagers in Hartford in the last 20 years. Those are the only two success stories. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Here, this let me not know how to develop. And don't even get me started on the rink size this and I have to get used to North America that. No, no, no. Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond in, in Detroit are doing fine. Anton Lundell, who's Finnish, is doing fine in Florida. This is not a European versus North American thing. It's this an organization not, thing. Yeah, this is not a getting used to the rink size thing. This is a Rangers thing. And it's not, it's not, oh, oh, the bright lights of New York City. Nobody gives a shit about New York City. New York City is just a big city like every other city. Okay, Sorry. okay. I will, Steven, Steven. No, Steven. no, no, no. no for the reason, for, I've got to counter you there, Steven, because no, to no, suggest no. that New York City doesn't have any different impact for no, a lot of players. No, no, Listen, for a hockey player, New York City is not bigger than Toronto or Detroit. As a hockey market, no. As, okay, as a hockey market. As I a agree. hockey player. I'm not hockey. talking about basketball. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about as a hockey player. New okay. York is not is not a bigger market than Detroit or Toronto. Especially not Toronto. Toronto is like the hub. 
And Detroit and Toronto are the two prime examples of of having these prospects come in together with Tampa Bay and and flourish. I just want our top two picks to become the players they are destined to be. And I just don't want them to be prohibited from potentially becoming what they should be because of a lack of utilization or wrong judgment on how to go about developing them. That's my own. That's truly my only concern here because I'm not Alexi and Capo. They're so young. Do I think that they're going to have fine careers? Absolutely. But the point is, is that where the Rangers currently are today with their motive is this season. I I'm still trying to find reasons as to why it doesn't make sense um, not to have Alexi playing 17 or so minutes a night. Like this is someone where this is a time to give him that playing time because it's not even like the Rangers are in a spot right now where they're cup contenders. This would be a different argument I think we could have if one, if, say, Buchnevich was still on the team, right? Because, already right, you're blocking. You have a tighter-knit group with those winners. Maybe Kratsov was still with the club. It would be even different because you have another guy competing, right, in that top nine. And it would be even different times 10 if you're a team that, say, is going back to the mid-2010 Rangers when they were going for those deep runs and playoffs. It's hard to find room for a guy when you have a motive of trying to win cup every year and don't yeah. get me wrong, teams always do, but the Rangers are in a spot right now. They're just starting this new turnover of taking that next step. These guys are a part of your next step. Give them opportunities to succeed. Let them fail and learn from it. Do not demote them right away because they had a failure because there's a reason why rebuilding clubs that have top prospects that are currently developing and doing really well are so consistently gaining plenty of playing, playing time and opportunities even when they're not having success, it, you need yeah. to help build that and get that confidence in them. Alexi doesn't have that right now. He hasn't had much of it since he arrived with the Rangers and Kako. He's fluctuated with it for sure, but these are still guys that they're a part of your core. You drafted them for a reason. There's a reason why they were supposed to be first overall and second overall, respectively that those are guys you should be building your club around in the coming years. Give them yeah. every opportunity to succeed known to man even if they have their struggles, just let them grind through it. I'd much rather the Rangers have a year where they go and give them as much opportunity as possible. And if that impacts them to a certain extent with playoffs, then okay, because at the end of the day, no one's expecting the Rangers to have a deep playoff run this year, okay? There's reasons why we're focused on the next five-plus years, not right now. Yeah, and look, my, my point previously was it's not a New York City thing. It's a New York Rangers thing. It's... 100% this organization needs to look in the mirror and 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 they need to evaluate their the way they're doing things because something's not working. And I I really don't care about people saying we should have drafted Moritz Seider, we should have drafted Lucas Raymond, because I can almost guarantee you that if those two players are in the Rangers organization, they don't even combine for three points this season. There's no way. It, they were not the picks on draft day. The Rangers didn't make any mistakes drafting these these two guys in in Kaka and Lafreniere. They and made the right picks. They made the right picks on draft day. There was no, there's no argument. They were they were the right picks. I just went. I would I would refrain from using guys like Raymond and Cider as such comps because this is emphasized far more on Lafreniere than it is Kako. But mm. Raymond, I, I I watched. I've been heavily ingrained with him literally since he first came in the reins as a big draft prospect. He was always doing great against men and he had a struggle initially once he hit the SHL, but that didn't take long. He has an amazing shot there. This is never surprising. And I don't think anyone should be that Raymond's doing this well, because he's already performed against men. And what you could say is 
you know, the third hardest league in all of hockey outside of, you know, uh, NHL, NHL, and then SHL. And Sider's a German, but he's someone that's been playing against men as well. So those are surprising to me. Uh, Let me put that way. Sider also played in the SHL, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they they played in the third best league in the world. Uh, So did Lundqvist. And Lundqvist comes into New York and doesn't get the same opportunities. And I know you have Fox and you have True, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. They are blocking. They they are blocking Neil. They are blocking. Yes, yeah. they are blocking. But but why why is Tenorti playing? Yeah. Well, I I don't get it. I really don't understand. I, I think I don't think it'll be too long before Zach Jones is brought up. Pro- probably. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, Zach Jones is going to be a, a special player for us. Uh, not like superstar, but like you know, fun player to watch. But. Look, I, I want to move on from this before I before I say more frustrating things. But I just I just want what's best for this team. I want our prospects to flourish in New York. I don't want our prospects <laughs> to flourish in Florida like Anthony Duclair or 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 elsewhere. You know, I want our prospects to play well for us. <laughs> Watching JT Miller in Vancouver is great for JT Miller. I, I wish I wish he would have turned his head around. I wish he would have turned his career around in New York. I will, JT was JT was putting up really good numbers with the Rangers though. It, it felt yeah, like but, it was more of a Elaine Vigneault thing at that time too. Yeah, well, look, JT Miller had his issues. <laughs> and he admitted this in an interview too after he was traded to Vancouver. He admitted that oh, second, traded Tampa. No, no, no. He was traded to Tampa first, but after he was traded to Vancouver. Oh, okay, yes, yeah. He he in an interview he said that the trade to Vancouver was the wake up call for him. Mm-hmm. He all of a sudden he started to take it serious. You know, he was no longer out drinking the night before games. Uh, and I'm talking about afternoon games, you know. In New York, he'd be caught drinking the night before afternoon games with fans and, and then have a terrible game. And and that was one of the issues. He just didn't take it serious. Um, and there were other players in New York that had the same issue. Kevin Hayes, Brady Shea, Jimmy yeah. Vesey. Those three, I don't know. We talked about this. All the college uh, boys, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they're living in some bachelor pad, eating pizzas and microwave microwave meals. That's that, that's not that's not how you live as an NHL player. I'm sorry. And then you look not at how you team. should live if you're trying to get the best potential out of you. Yeah, and 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 this is and this is why I like the Road to the Winter Classic shows that that HBO did in the past, and now unfortunately NBC does it. But I remember with the Flyers against the Rangers in 2012 that uh, Sean Couturier and Braden Chen were staying with, I think, Danny Briere. They were living with Danny Briere because, you know, they it was just a better environment for them. And, you know, they had a, a good meal every evening instead of instead of ordering takeout. That's one of the things that's missing from the Rangers, I feel. And I'm not close enough to really make these observations and be 100% certain that that what the issue is. But I, I, I do know there's an issue. You know, this is not bad luck. And and I'm, I'm just tired of prospects being underwhelming year in, year out, and having fans blame it on the player. At some point, it's no longer the player. If you have this many players in a row that are struggling with the same organization, you know, with the same coach, with the same front office, with the same environment there there's a bigger issue at play and i wish fans would understand that and this I, is not this is not hating the rangers this is just observing that it's happening too many times for it to be a coincidence 
Yeah, no, if you if if anyone listening to this thinks that uh myself or Steven, especially as a Rangers hater, you're not you're just not paying attention. This is literally Steven's livelihood we're talking about. Like if I if I hated <laughs> the Rangers, I'd be I'd be celebrating their 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 failures, not criticizing them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um before we kind of, you know, get towards uh, the end of the episode here, we have a couple more segments that uh, we need to discuss, topics, yeah. I should say. And let's get into a prospect update. Steven, I'll let you run with this because it starts yep. with a, a player that signed his ELC with the Rangers over this past week. That's definitely exciting news for him. Yeah, uh, six-round pick uh, from 2020, Matt Rempe, who plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, if Ranger fans have watched the prospect development camp, they might remember him as the tall guy. Uh, 6'8", he signed his entry-level contract, Um, good for him. Uh, It slides this year, so it expires in 2025. Um, The other prospects, uh, Brandon Othman and Will Cooley in the OHL, are having great starts to the season. Um, Same with uh, Brett Berard in college, who uh, the Rangers uh, tweeted about as their prospect of the month for the month of October. And rightfully so. I think Brad Berard is going to be a very interesting uh, name to keep an eye on in years to come. Um, and with the World Juniors coming up in December, uh, he's one to watch out for on, t- on Team USA. I've, I really liked Berard since I thought that was a really nice pick when the Rangers drafted him. A little buzzsaw, as they like to call him. Someone mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, being undersized, I always appreciate someone undersized myself. Um, I see a guy that could come in and really help potentially be a solid role player on this club in their top nine in the, in the next couple of years. We'll see what's available yes. then. But yeah, I like Berard a lot. And before we go further, um, I want to thank young Jimmy T. Thank you so much for the $5 donation, my friend. I appreciate that. Hi to everybody in the chat watching this live. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for that. Steven is dead on. He says Benoit Allaire. Uh, Benoit Allaire begins his 17th season with the Rangers coaching staff for a reason. He's good at making players better. <laughs> yeah, again, thank you for the donation. You're right in regards to goaltending. There's no doubt yeah. in that at all. The, you know, thankfully the Rangers have been in the spot for so long where they've had this consistent flow of solid goaltending, if not great goaltending, yeah. for a long period of time. But and, and 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 we have another one coming up now as well, uh, also in juniors, because you know Berard uh, is in college, of course. Offman and Cooley are doing great in the OHL, but in the WHL uh, we have Ryder Korzak, who is a center, who is one of my favorite prospects currently in the organization. Uh, my favorite pick of the 2021 draft, even though you know, I have two Brendan Offman jerseys behind me. But uh, Ryder Korzak, I think, is a very underrated prospect. Uh, reminds me a lot of Derek Broussard. And the way he plays, uh, shoots the puck a lot, and it's just, it's just his enthusiasm is is uh, is 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 what really stands out. You know, he's a really good kid on that team, the Moose Jaw Warriors. But the goalie, uh, we have two goalies in the WHL as well, Talon Boyko, who was traded from the Tri City Americans to the Kelowna Rockets. Boyko, who played in Kelowna as a as a as a kid. Um, as a teenager, so he's returning uh, back to uh, to a familiar spot in Kelowna. And then Dylan Garant, who is the one to keep an eye on. He was in yeah. Hartford last season uh, during the, um, the postponed WHL season. He was allowed to join the Hartford Wolfpack, uh, spend a couple of weeks with them in practice. Um, he was, uh, he was uh, picked as the goalie of the week last week in the CHL, not just the WHL, but the CHL as a whole. And I think he's uh, he's going to get his entry-level contract as well soon. His rights expire in June, 
So the Rangers uh, have to make a decision this season, but I'm pretty sure they'll give him a contract. He's been really good for the Kamloops Blazers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's it when it comes to prospects. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on quickly is, of course, Vitaly Kravtsov, who's now in Russia playing for Dr. Chelyabinsk. Who scored uh, not one, but two high... The second one was a highlight real goal. Yeah. That yeah. being the winner for... Um, for uh, trying to uh, say their name, Traktor? Dr. Chelyabinsk, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, and that game was against, a couple days ago now. And they played in Kazakhstan against Barry's uh, Nur Sultan. Uh, they used to be called Barry's Astana, but the Kazakh government changed the name of their capital. So now mm-hmm. they're Barry's Nur Sultan. It's weird. Who, who renames their capital? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, most importantly about that game for Kravtsov, uh, for Ranger fans, is that uh, he did it on a rink that's the same size as NHL rinks. Uh, there's some uh, there's some changes going on in the KHL the last couple of years. More and more teams moving to smaller rinks because they want to be uh, you know they want to have the same rink size as the NHL. Um, uh, there are still a couple of teams that play on hybrid rinks, the same as the Finnish uh, league. Uh, but I have shared a, a graph on Twitter about that. But when I give an update on Kravtsov's performance per game, I will mention the rink size. So just so everyone's aware. But Kravtsov's off to a good start, uh, three points in one game, two goals, one assist, including the overtime winner. Um, yeah, our prospects are doing well. So, um, And hopefully, we were talking about Puya Yarvi earlier. That's the uh, preferred outcome, in my opinion, for Kravtsov. You know, play, I, I play mentioned with... that uh, last yeah. episode, I believe, if yeah. the Rangers yeah. could somehow you know, salvage this relationship. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel likely still, but I do know that Krasov's comments were along the lines of wanting to return and be back with the Rangers. Um, something tells me that if he had absolutely no desire in doing so, he wouldn't make that remark. So while things definitely don't look comfortable between these two parties right now, um, I wouldn't say it's uh, completely off the table of him. Yeah. Uh, it's a the problem. Rangers next season. The way, the way Elliot Friedman described it is it's improbable, not impossible. Yeah. So I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm gonna stay with the under right now. That being yeah. him not returning, um, but we'll see. But, we'll see what happens. He can't even come to the Rangers this season because that was the only way for them to reach an agreement with his uh, KHL club. They asked correct. to stay with him for the entirety of the season. It's a full season loan. Uh, they're currently ranked second in the KHL, so they are pretty much a lock for the playoffs. The regular season ends March first. If they win the first round, you're gonna have to you have to count on like late March. If it's a second round exit, late March. If it's a third round exit, mid-April. If they make it all the way to the final, it's late April. So that's something to keep an eye on. But the two teams that he was uh, linked to in a potential trade are the Ottawa Senators and Montreal Canadiens. So we'll see what happens. Two teams that the Rangers could definitely benefit from yeah. a prospect or so yeah. from them for sure. So we'll, see, so. we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, I just, I just wanted to play well because at the very least it'll increase his value. And yeah. that's, that, that's good for the Rangers. No, um, absolutely. Right. I so want to touch on one thing before you say what you're about to say. We have another yeah. $5 donation here. Thank you so much, Baka. I appreciate that. And another donation too from Jimmy T. Look at that. Thank you again for that. Also, Jimmy really does mean a lot, my friend. You're watching this in the live stream or on replay, folks. Uh, Krasov deserved to make the team on his first invite three seasons ago. He is hands down better than any bottom six uh, 
bottom six Rangers have right now. Um, yeah, I appreciate it, the donation again. I, I think I think you're stretching a bit on saying, you know, if he's absolutely better than everyone. Their bottom six. Um, well, let's let, let let's not forget to two years ago, um, he was sent down to the AHL with Brendan Smith and Michael Haley playing as wingers. Oh no, I'm I'm aware of his so, initial utilization. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so uh, yeah, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, so moving away from prospects, some some uh, Rangers uh, player updates. Uh, Philip Hedo's injured, of course. Yep. Um, so we'll see what happens with that day to day. I think it looks Barclay like that. Pino, according to uh, not to cut you off, but I have to. Uh, according to Gallant, it looks like that there's possibility of him returning this Saturday. Um, not sure on the likelihood. They want to get him to skate. Um, Hedo. Hopefully, we can see him in one of those two games this weekend because the Rangers play back to back. Yeah. I do like uh, Goudreau as the third-line center in his uh, spot, so it's mm-hmm. not the end of the world if he does miss a couple more games. Um, the other thing that's notable is uh, McKeg being sent down to Hartford. Uh, he, yep. only had, he only had two days left on his uh, waiver exemption. Um, when a player is waived, when a player clears waivers, he has waiver exemption for 30 days on the team, and I think he was coming up to 28, so the Rangers had to make a decision now. And the last uh, player update I want to mention is Libor Hayek, uh, everyone's favorite Rangers defenseman. Um, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> he's also going to the Hartford Wolfpack, but on a conditional stint, um, a conditioning stint. Yep. A couple of things with that, so fans are aware how that works. A, conditional, a conditioning stint uh, has to be approved by the player, first of all. <laughs> it does not require waivers. However, the player does get paid his NHL salary if he's on a two-way contract. So it doesn't impact Libor Hayek's pay. A conditioning stint is max two weeks, and it does need league approval. So it looks like the Rangers and Libor Hayek were able to come to an agreement there with him going to Hartford for two weeks. Uh, He'll probably play a couple of games. Uh, Let's see who comes out of the lineup, uh, because there's there's a lot of prospects there that that are getting their games in. In mm-hmm. Jones and Robertson, Skinner, uh, Schneider, uh, Reunanen, of course. So we'll see what happens there. But Hayek to Hartford for two weeks. Um, yeah, that's 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 it with the updates. Perfect. Yeah, Hayek. Uh, we'll see uh, what comes of that. If anything, don't expect anything for sure. Um, McKeg, I'm glad that you know. I know we kind of jokingly criticized about it early on. Oh, okay, he's already Gallant's favorite. I'm staying on that fourth line. Um, that was short-lived too, so we don't have to, you know, continue those silly narratives or anything like that. Um, but let's get into some questions now for our Q and A that we'll do for a couple minutes. Uh, nothing too long to make sure the episode isn't going. Before, before we get into the questions, can I quickly share uh, the tickets? Uh, no, you may not. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> All right. So um, my fiance has two tickets to the Rangers uh, Sabres game on November 21st. Uh, we initially were going to use those tickets, but we were able to get tickets in a different section. So we're looking to get rid of those tickets. It's section 226, row 7. Um, I uh, have tweeted this, what was it, two days ago? I'm retweeting it now. If you go to my Twitter page, you'll see it. If you're interested, let me know. DM me or my fiance if you want to, if you're looking for tickets for that game. It's Hockey Fights Cancer Night. So, Yeah, definitely make sure to hit up Steven. Um, did you say, uh, did you tell them how to reach you on Twitter? 
Yes, uh, my Twitter account is statboy underscore Steven. Yep, we have it here if you're watching live through YouTube yeah. or in general, yeah, however yeah. you're looking at the podcast. Um, yeah. Statboy under, underscore Steven on uh, Twitter would probably be the best way to reach Steven for this. Yeah, my DMs are open, so feel free to reach out. Yep. That's it. Awesome. Okay. All right, let's get into uh, some questions now, folks, if you have any of them for us. Um, I know that we don't have too many viewers watching this live right now. That's perfectly fine. But if you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, go ahead. I know a comment that came in the chat earlier that I want to touch on is uh, I, I just want to know your reaction, really, and that is regarding Niels, uh, if you're still feeling highly about him. Um, I think it's very early to put much of any criticism towards Niels. Um, he's a guy that has two points now through his first uh, I believe he has nine or 10 games under his belt. Wouldn't be too concerned about it. However, as Steven has just looks like he has logged off. So we'll see if he will be able to get, Oh, there you go. You're back, Steven. Awesome. I'm back, I'm back. Yeah. Um, so Steven kind of what has been your take on Niels Lundqvist's performance to this point? He started off shaky first couple of games. Um, didn't really look as comfortable in his own zone as I would have wanted. Um, the partnership with Patrick Nemeth needed some time to, uh, you know, to get comfortable there as well. But I think the last three games, three, four games he's played, uh, I think he's been really, it's been really well. Um, he played against the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, last three games, uh, the Oilers and the Panthers. So I'm, I like what I'm seeing in the last couple of games. Hopefully he can build on this. Um, but it's it's tough transitioning into a team that's this bad on defense because defense is a five-player game, you know? Yep. And um, last game, uh, Marchment, or yeah, Marchment, was it Marchment? Uh, tried to hit him into the boards and he evaded that hit by some miracle like he always does. And Marchment went into the locker room with what seemed to be a dislocated shoulder from that hit. So um, he's he sees the eyes well. He sees the opponents. Uh, he just needs to get a little bit more comfortable with the speed of the game. And and yeah, it'll it'll take a couple of weeks. Um, but I don't think he's a liability. It's not like you know, it's, it's not not like players in the past. It's not like Kako in his rookie season, where where he was uh, like a net negative. Yeah, he, he's just kind of neutral right now. There's nothing flashy too much about him. Yeah. He's also limited with his opportunities, as we yeah. kind of and, expected. And, and sending him down is something I, I spoke to to someone in the Rangers org about this. And, you know, sending down a player is not always about performance. It's also about how the player feels. If a player is overwhelmed by the whole NHL scene, you know, the practices, the sessions, this and that, then that would be a good reason to send someone to the AHL for a couple of weeks. But if a player is not necessarily overwhelmed, if like mentally he's ready for it, then then that could keep a player in the NHL as well. So we'll see what happens. I do want to see Zach Jones on the Rangers in the upcoming weeks. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I, I don't think Jones is an option for the right side of the defense though. So if he comes in for Lundqvist, you would probably see Patrick Nemeth move to the right side or Nemeth sitting and then uh, Jared Tenorti playing on the right side. Yeah, that makes sense. With Zach Jones. So we'll see what happens. But overall, um, I was hoping for more, but I'm not disappointed, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I, I don't I don't really have too much gripes, if at all, when Neil's yet. Just uh, looking forward to when he hopefully 
hits that uh, next step where we can see some more flashes out of him, get his first career goal under his belt and fun stuff like that. Um, here we have a donation from Yona, who's been a great support. Thank you so much for that, my friend. He uh, asked a good question here. Is giving Kako the nice bison, Pugliarvi, who he's referring to, treatment ever going to be an option? Saw some speculation about that in Turco News. Turku newspapers sports section. Yona, thank you so much again, my friend. I know that you are a Finn. Um, so this makes even perfect sense. And my initial reaction to it too, um, I want to know your thoughts on it, Steven, is I don't think we're going to see that with, with a guy like Paul Yarby. Cause from all that we see right now, it looks like the relationship with Kako and the team is good or at least okay. I don't yeah. think that they're, they're at the lengths of what Paul Yarby was at his worst point which led to his departure for a bit with Edmonton. So even with Kako not having a point yet this season, I one, if you lose him in a scenario anytime soon like that, you have a huge hole in your top six as it is, okay? You don't not just have Buchnevich anymore or Krasov as a possibility. Now you're losing Kako, who's your bona fide, you know, second line right winger right now. That's not a good look. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. I think the Discipline is a bit different in this scenario for sure than how it is in Paul Yarvey's situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what, look, we, we talk about Pavel Buchnevich being traded affecting Vitaly Kravtsov because they were good friends. Um, maybe people don't really know this or just forgot, but Brandon Smith, the departure of Brendan Smith yeah. might affect Capo Kako as well because Brendan Smith is the guy who helped him adjust to life in North America. You yeah. know, who helped him helped him out with the most seemingly basic things, and I, we talked about this before. You know what a big change it is for a player to move to another country at a young age. Something as 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 simple as where to get, um, you know, where to get cough syrup. You know, if you have a cough, yeah, you know where to go when you live in the in, in the U.S. Right? I you, hope you know so. What shop to go to because you grew up there, so this is something that that you learned along the way. But if you live in a country where they speak a different language, the, the brands are are all different, it's an adjustment. That's it's just something small, but that's the, the Brandon Smith was a huge help for Capo Capo. So losing Brandon Smith, I don't know if it affects him, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Oh, but I, I wouldn't I, be surprised either, I, but I don't think that's enough enough of a factor. No, 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 no. But and, and I, don't think, I don't think I don't think it affects his play on the ice. Yeah. But off the ice, you know, outside of games. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know their situation. Uh, I know what their situation was like last season. So, yeah, uh, but we'll see. You know, Kako is, is, seems happy in New York. There are no issues between the team and the player. This is not, not like Pui Yarvi and the Oilers, like you said. Uh, I think Kako will be fine. I think so too. And we have a couple more questions we'll get to before we wrap things up with the upcoming schedule for the next couple of games for the Rangers. Great question by Brody, who's a great subscriber and supporter on the channel. Asked, do I think Kreider can hit 30 goals this season? He can, but I don't think he's going to. I think Kreider's going to sit right around 27. He's on pace for 56. He's on, exactly. And I'm still not optimistic he'll hit 30. <laughs> so if, if he hits 20 by the end of December, He's done that before, though. He's hit almost 20 at halfway points in the season. Yeah, true. You, gotta, you, gotta, you can't even – you can't think that, oh, my of, goodness, he's on this pace. No, we'll, we'll believe when we see it. On the, six of his nine goals came on the power play. That's I – hate, I hate to bring up the word of the day, but not sustainable. Yeah. I, I do think that he – if there's a year where he will crack 30, this very well could be that year from what we're seeing do so you far. Know, for sure. 
do, I tweeted this, so you should know if you follow me. But do you know the last player the Rangers drafted who hit 30 goals for them? The last player the Rangers drafted? To score 30 goals as a Ranger. Hmm. Do you know the year? Could you throw that out on me? Or is that too much of a hint? 05, 06. Oh, shit. This is this is the beginning of the Hank era. Um, hmm. Jersey number twenty-five. I'm still I'm still blanking because this was before. This was during Yager's time, though. Yeah, he's from the Czech Republic. Oh, come on, come on! I I it's literally on the tip of my tongue. I know who it is. Uh, no, it's. I don't want to say the wrong. Just tell me who it is. Peter Pruka. Okay. Okay. Um, it last <laughs> last Rangers draft pick to hit 30 goals for us. The last Rangers forward draft pick to hit 60 points for us is still Tony Amonti in 1993. That's crazy. Chris Kreider has a chance to break both. He those, does. Those droughts this season. This might we'll be see. the year of Kreider that no one expected. Uh you know, we, we've been talking about this for 10 years. Do you remember <laughs> his career where he was called or eligible every freaking season? Yes, I'm, I'm fully aware. <laughs> that's, what made me, that's what made me love him so much right from the yeah. beginning, though. It was, it was entertaining. Um, his, his immediate impact in playoffs. You know, we could go on hours mm-hmm. on Kreider's career for sure. But so far, so good. Loving what I'm seeing from Kreider. He's doing exactly what I would hope he would be doing. And that net front presence never gets old. Can continue doing that, and great things are going to happen. Best in the league. Yeah, it re- he really is best in the league at what he's doing right now. So hopefully, continues. Maybe he'll hit I, that thirty goal. Since, since entering the league, he has the most goals off deflections. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned it past couple episodes. I'm pretty sure yeah. that still holds true right now. I think Pavelski um, is number two. Pardon? I think Joe Pavelski is number two. Oh, that him. wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't yeah. surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Um, we have, I'm going to take two more questions before we get on to our final topic. Another donation here from Jimmy. Thank you again, my friend. Um, at what point do Nemeth to Norty play their way off the team with guys like Jones and Schneider and Hartford? I don't think we're going to see at any point this season where one is completely off, especially Nemeth because he's on a three-year deal. Um, Tenorti, yeah. Tenorti, I don't see having a long leash, but I would say right now we're looking at Nemeth for at least this season and probably next season having a role on this defensive core until proven otherwise, unless we have it where Jones plays so well that we can result in trading away Nemeth this soon into his contract. But that's a lot of ifs. And one thing that's certain is Nemeth's contract. So I, I, if you're going to safe bet, I would say don't expect anything drastic where, you know, either of them are out of the lab consistently throughout the year for a guy like Jones and or Schneider, especially Schneider. I don't, I think Schneider will get maybe a cup of coffee this year, but I don't expect anything of significance from him. Yeah, and I don't think uh, Braden Schneider has played well enough to be considered a call-up yet. Um, and he's decent in Hartford, but he's not really blowing me away when I watch when I watch their games. Um, Zach Jones is is the first call-up on defense. Easy. Um, I think I think we might see Braden Schneider near the end of the season. If we trade away, away a player at the deadline, for instance, then we might see a call up. Um, 
there's also, remember, there's also no roster limit after the trade deadline. So that makes it easier for teams to call up players to give them a cup of coffee. Yep. No, that's a fair point as well. Um, final comment we're going to take here from the live stream. Thank you, Joel. I feel like Krasov's style of play has a higher ceiling than Lafreniere and Kako. Ooh, bold take. They just uh, they just don't uh, seem as skilled. What do I think? Ooh, that's that's a very interesting remark here. So Krasov, when when I look at his style of play, I don't think it has a higher ceiling of Kako, especially because Kako just looks like such a more well-rounded player than the other two between Lafreniere and Krasov. Kako has that two-way element to him that they just don't touch right now. Um, that I think is really going to help him not just this year, but in the coming years with staying consistent when it comes to his role in the club in the top six, among other things. Laffy, I think I still, I still believe from everything that we know about Lafreniere has the highest ceiling skill wise, but it's been underwhelming. And I think there is a fair argument to say that Vitali could have an edge right now, given the experience he's had and what we know we could see from him. Um, but it's still, it's so early. So I, I, I like the speculation. I think it's fun um, seeing, you know, what could potentially be the highest ceiling among these players' skill styles. So um, what what's kind of your take on that, Steven? Kravtsov definitely plays a flashier game. Um, it's a lot easier to enjoy Kravtsov's game than it is to enjoy Kako's or Lafreniere's game. Um my biggest concern with Kravtsov is that his style of play is not well suited for the NHL. Yeah. Um, and it might, it might work in the NHL, but in a third line role uh, where you don't play against, you know, the team's top opponents. I don't think Kravtsov is necessarily better or necessarily has a higher ceiling. I just think his, his good plays are just much more noticeable. Uh, whereas Kako, we, we've been we've been through this. Kako's biggest uh, strength at the moment is the transition game and defense. You know, he causes a lot of turnovers. Uh, Lafreniere, it just seems like a, like a confidence issue. Mm-hmm. But Kravtsov, he, he's a good prospect. Let's not forget, let's not forget the top ten pick. Uh, he's also two years older than Lafreniere, so he has a little bit of uh, of, of of a of a of a head start there. Um, I'm really interested to see Kravtsov coming back on the team in March or April to see what he can do at the end of the season. If we are uh, if we are in the uh, in the hunt for the playoffs, it would be foolish not to add him to the team because. You know, and circling back to the whole Detroit Red Wings thing, where people say, "Oh, Raymond is playing because the Red Wings don't have any don't have any good players in their top six. The Rangers are currently playing Sammy Blaine in their top six, and previously it was Barkley Goudreau. Let's not pretend that we don't have any spots in the top six up for grabs. Um, but yeah, Kravtsov definitely has the, plays a flashier type of hockey than the other two. That doesn't necessarily make him better. It just makes him more fun to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. And I, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from. So uh, let's get on for our final topic before the end of today's episode. Again, thank you all so much, everybody that's been chiming in live or on replay, where we get your podcast. Um, the upcoming schedule for the Rangers will go for the next three games. 
Um, we'll try to hopefully record a week from right now. We'll see how your schedule's looking though, because you'll be in the states. But the Rangers have three games coming up starting this Saturday, November thirteenth, at Columbus. The Rangers had a very solid game against Columbus the first time around the season. We'll see how they do this time. Um, Columbus, I believe, is seven and three on the season. Then they have a back to back. Then they had a home for their first home game against the Devils this year. Devils have had a good start to the season as well. Um, I'm pretty sure are the Devils six and three. They they have a solid record so far this season too. Um, then the Rangers' final game of the span is against the laboring Montreal Canadiens with Carey Price, who just made it known why he's out because of substance abuse issues. So wishing the best for Carey Price that he's going to be able. Uh, has been getting the help that he's been needed and will continue to, but Habs are definitely looking like a shell of the team that they once were with him as their number one goaltender. So the Rangers next three games going to be going to be interesting matchup. I'm concerned about having to, you know, four days off to then have a back to back three games in two days. I'm a little nervous about that. So with the Rangers looking right now with Columbus devils and Montreal, I do think that they are more than capable of winning all these games, but I'm going to go with the safer bet of saying that the Rangers just go two and one. Two and one. All right. Let's see. Um, I'm going to go with one, one, and one. Okay. I want to add a tiebreaker uh, in this, if you, if you don't mind. Okay. Because this week we were both wrong and we need, we need to somehow, you know, get a point for this. Uh, do you want to do number of Ranger goals in these three games? Oh, okay. Go, you go first. And then whoever's closest, if 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 neither of us gets the right the right record, whoever's closest wins. Jot it down that that has started at November tenth. It hasn't started from the beginning of the season. So this is an in season change to our um, recording here. Yes. Yeah. We are, we we are, we are much more. Um, you know, much more easy going than 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 Batman. You know, we just yes. change the season. We we just do things on the fly. Exactly. Um, let's see, Columbus, New Jersey, and Montreal. I'm gonna go with nine. Nine. Okay. I don't want to be too conservative, but I don't want to be too. You know, I made, I made it difficult for you with with nine, right? Because it's right, it's right in the middle of, yeah. Montreal feels like a game that they can net at least three or four. The Devils feels like a game that they can net at least three or four. And Columbus, but are the Rangers going to score a bunch of goals in back-to-back games? They didn't at all uh, in their past back-to-back game stint. So I'm going to go with shit. Um, just eight or ten, whoever's closest wins. So I know. All right, I'm gonna go ten. ten. I'm gonna go ten. All right, writing it down. Cool. <laughs> the Rangers win all all three games, but they only score two goals in each game. <laughs> of course, that that would that would favor. Actually, no, it wouldn't. It, it would favor you because you'd be closer, but you'd still be far away. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to these games. These are, again, all games. For the most part, these are evolving games for the Rangers that have been winnable this year. They just haven't won all of them, you know? I know that might sound a little cliche to say, but they de- the potential's definitely been there.
They just need to stop having these third period massacres. So um, any final comments from you, Stephen, before we get out of here in today's episode? Um, nope, not at the moment. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, again, thank you all so much, everybody that chimed into this episode 38 of Rainers Review. Steven, any number 38s that's on your mind before we get out of here? That is, that is a priority before we end this episode. The last player to wear number 38 for the Rangers, Michael Haley. Wait, is Sauer one of them? Yeah. Michael Sauer, Steven Fogarty, PA Parento, Corey Potter, Yarko Imonen, Bryce Lampman, Ronald Petrovicki, and near the second there, Rico Fada, Jeff Ulmer, Chris Kennedy, Ronnie Sundin, Sylvain Bluan, Jeff Bloomberg, Terry Karkner, and the first player to wear number 38 as a Ranger was in 1981-82, Robbie Fatorik. Wow. PA parents, so that brings back memories. Very underrated goal scorer. Bounced with a bunch of teams. Remember him with the Islanders, among others, too. He's um, like the he's like the anti-strong. He he came from the Rangers and was big for the Islanders instead of the other way around. Yes, that's true. And um, Michael Sauer, whose uh, career really ended because of Dion Phaneuf. Uh, thank Matt, you. It's that. not just Michael Sauer. His brother Kurt also had a couple of concussions. Those that that family is cursed. It is just I will never forgive Dion for that. Not not even not even once will I forgive him. I'm I'm all on Sean Avery's side when it comes to that that duel. Not <laughs> that's all I gotta say. But all right, folks, that's gonna do it for this episode. Hope, hope you guys did in fact enjoy. We'll be back soon, hopefully after a couple good games for the Rangers, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers.